BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode is powered by DenMeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We have a really special guest on today. His name is Lee Harris. He's incredible. You may already know who he is. And if you don't, you should. Um, he literally through his website, the portal reaches over hundreds of thousands of people monthly with his messages. He's a channeler. He's an intuitive. He's also a musician. He's incredible. And he channels this consciousness, this group called the Z's. And he gets really incredible messages. And what I love about them, and I talk about this in the podcast, is just how fun and light they are. They have a joy presence to them that's really incredible. And I actually really think helps you um, really take in the messages because it is all a transmission, right? So I think you guys are going to love this episode. Not only do we talk about how you can move through fear, how you can start understanding what your own sovereignty is, what is happening on the earth plane right now, how it looks like it's going to change in the next 10 years. We also get into him, what it means to channel, what his life story has been like. And then you guys, there's a special treat. So you have to stay till the end. He channels. He literally surprises us at the end. He's like, no, they can speak to you. So we actually talk to the Z's. There's some intense stuff that comes out, which is great. And also, if you want some personal information about me, stay tuned because they talk about that and they come right out and give me some personal information. So if you're into that, please stay because it is incredible. I love, love, love this episode. I really adore him. So if I haven't said it already, he has a book that has just come out, Awaken Your Multidimensional Soul. This is Conversation 2 with disease. So this is the second book in a series that is coming out. It is all channeled messages. It is so informative. It is going to change the way you look at yourself. It is going to change the way you put yourself out there every day. And it's going to change the way you look at your own energy. And for that, I'm unbelievably grateful for him. I'm unbelievably grateful for this conversation. Um, everything he's ever put out is a best-selling hit. So get it and listen to this. Let us know what you think. Drop us a line, um, leave a review and enjoy the episode. Glad you're here. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. And congratulations. I know this this will air after the fact, but I think your book comes out tomorrow, right? It does, yeah. Yeah, thank you. It does. You know, it's always a nice thing when it actually appears in the world. You're like, oh, all that thing that we've been doing for like a year, it's kind of real. So yeah, I, I even have a copy here. 
Oh, yay. Look how pretty it is. Yeah. I have one without the cover. So look how beautiful that is. Yeah, yeah. It came out really well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for the support around it. No, absolutely. How does that, well, how does it feel from like an energetic perspective of, I can only imagine when you work on something for so long and you're channeling. And so then how does it feel when it's actually, because you've lived with it for so long and it's been alive for you for so long. So what's the shift for you when it actually goes out? Well, I think you nailed one of the weirdest things about it for me because it is channeled. So there's always that weird disconnect. It's very different to something that I might create that I was fully mentally conscious for when I did it. Um, it's always really nice because these books were not even meant to happen. They were a series of recordings between my guides and a psychotherapist friend of mine for my members community and they were audio only and that was the point but literally the first day after recording occasionally they will speak to me unsolicited my guides and they literally were like this is a book series and i was like huh this is two recordings and they were like this is a book series this is just the beginning um you have at least 12 books and then after the 12 you can choose whether or not to carry on so it, it's been surreal to take these very spontaneous in the moment and electric conversations and then bring them to the written form. And of course, the audio version is not edited. It's the exact conversations as they happen. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a little surreal as a creator to, to have something that you channeled become tangible versus something else I might have created. Well, it's so interesting. A, I thought it was funny in the book, how at the end, Diana, the conversation, they were like, you've, you've now accomplished, what was it, 1% of the 1%. book? And <laughs> Diana like, was horrified. She's like, you've only done 1%. And it's yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> 1%? Yeah. So I love how they have a sense of humor and they seem actually, you know, I've spoken to a few channelers and I, I love obviously this stuff, but they seem to be very light. And I don't mean that in a, in a way that they don't, that they obviously transmute very important but they have a lightness about them, about the way they deliver it, I feel like. I, I agree with you, especially because in the last three or four years, I think with the, the kind of rubber meets the road time that we're in on Earth, they're speaking about some of these very heavy topics that we're facing, but they're always bringing it back to reminding us that we are of consciousness, because I think it's not to bypass what's going on on a human level because we're all here as human beings in earth school and we're supposed to go through the feelings, the lessons, the learnings. You can't, you can't get away from that. But what they talk about is that the biggest, uh, if you like, error in our training mm -hmm. is that we have been asked to forget that we are also spiritual beings and we are of spirit and so is this planet. So they say that even though these times are tough, you have to remember that this is the evolution of spirit and you are the evolution of spirit. And when you die, you will never be incarnate in this way, in this form again. So for me, even with some of the heavy stuff they'll talk about, like they'll talk about some of the control in our systems that has been sewn in for thousands of years, that's now surfacing in a very obvious way. They'll talk about it, but they will also say, but you are here to create something else. So some of you will be activists, against that very system and others among you that will not feel good to you it will not feel right to you but you will be off creating some of the new paradigm or you will be someone who doesn't really want to be around people much but you're sitting in your house meditating and you're working in your garden and you are creating a vibration of peace 
in that area that is then emanating out to the rest of the world. So for me, I like the inclusivity of uniqueness. They're very much about mm -hmm. we're all here to have a, a unique role. And one of our diseases is this thing that we all have in our mind, which is, oh, am I doing enough? Or should I be doing it like that person? And they're like, those are just the illusions you're trying to let go of so that you can just be yourself and live here now. One of the things I love, and we'll just jump right into it, and then I'm going to get back to you, your personal stuff at some point, but let's jump into some of the stuff in the book. And I know this was even pre this book, you've talked about this, but it came up again, is this idea, which you just touched on that you chose to incarnate now for a reason, mm -hmm. meaning, and they, they broached it at two different points in the book. It was one, again, like your uniqueness and being here, but also one, like you may have incarnated into a really tough culture or to a very difficult situation. It doesn't mean life necessarily is butterfly and butterflies and roses, but you are there. And it really resonated with me because randomly when I was teaching last week, it's one of the things, and I was teaching Kundalini, so it gets a little louder. I actually screamed at the class, like while I was trying to get them, I'm like, you chose this, whether you believe it or not, this was your choice, you're here right now, there is a reason. So I want you to kind of like open up on that a little bit because I love that idea that, I think it's so important for us all to remember that, this idea that, even if it's hard or you're having a shitty day or, or you happen to, you know, you're in Iran right now, or you're in a really a tough place more than where I'm sitting, there was a reason. And I think it goes to what you're saying about this individuality. Yeah. I love that you bring this up because I think one of the biggest objections to, uh, if you like spiritual thinking is people, and I understand this, people can get very annoyed about yes. it. They can say, well, hang on a second. What about the person who's dealing with cancer? Or what about the person who's in a war zone? Or, And I think there are all kinds of ways that we can oppose the idea that we are having a spiritual experience. However, the other side of it is I think sometimes we have ideas about what those people are experiencing that aren't actually true. Mm. I've had friends who have lived in war zones, who have gone through some of those experiences. And you know, the way that we're taught to see it on the news is very much, oh my God, this is horrific. And it is horrific, but it removes the humanity of the people who are coping with it and dealing with it. And when you speak to someone who's going through something like that, they are some of the strongest, most fortified people you've ever met. So I think part of the problem that we sometimes have when we compare to someone else's reality is, do we really know what it is to walk in their shoes? Right. But then the other side of it, and this is what my guides, the Zs, talk about a lot, they say, when we remind you that you're having a spiritual experience, it's also okay for you to feel your feelings, for you to feel your anger, for you to feel your sadness, feel your grief. We are not saying bypass all of that and don't feel it because then you wouldn't be human. But we're reminding you that even when you're in all of that, there is a bigger reason going on. And the best way I can describe it, I guess, is from my own experience. When I first started talking to them and working with them, which was now 24 years ago. Wow. What was interesting to me was the information they would give me was very um, sometimes challenging for my human ego and emotional state to understand. Like give but me an example always, for you. Uh, yeah, I'll give, I'll give you an example. So I was 
in a relationship at the time and I was absolutely convinced that I was right and this this person <laughs> I was in a relationship he was never wrong. been there yeah right <laughs> and what was interesting to me was they said no 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 this isn't his problem this is your problem and here's why and they laid out the information to me and what was most interesting was rather than me going hmm well I'll sit with that and I'll think about it I had no defense to what they showed me because it was so clearly true. But what was most interesting to me mm. was not that it rewrote my mind. In the minute I saw it, my energy field changed. So I went from this uh, bit wounded, bit defensive, bit closed down. I got the information and it was like, oh, oh, like it just freed me. So that's what they have trained me to do more over the last 24 years. I still have my moments like we all do. Um, but I'm quicker now to go, okay, if I'm this contracted, what am I not seeing that's beyond this? And even right now, there's something I'm going through in my personal life that I'm having to grieve, but I also can feel the future and I can feel how good the future is. But I go between the two. I'm like, I have to grieve this in order to get to the future. And I can't bypass the now, but I'm also going to remind myself that the future is coming and that there is a reason for this letting go that will. So I tend to dance between the future, the present, and of course, occasionally the past, mm -hmm. and also the spiritual and the human. And, and that's kind of the middle ground that they have helped me live in more than I used to be able to. The present. I would say the present somewhere between the, the the sky and the ground. So I'm not someone who lives out in spirit all the time. And I'm not someone who lives down in the earthy stuff all the time. I move yeah. between the two, but I, 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 I'm more successfully kind of, if you like, living from the middle place, which is helpful because there are times you have to drop down into the human stuff deeply. And that's important. But there are also times when you have to remember the truth that we're all energy. And I'll give you one example, which is the news. You know, I think I'm thrilled that more people are beginning to notice the vibrational frequency of the news and the media. Because why is it that our media and our news that we are asked to watch all day long, and that is fed into gyms and places where we gather? Why is it that that is not focused on possibility, transformation. Yeah. Here's how we can solve things. Why is it that we're mostly fed the horror stories? And more people are beginning to, to wake up to that now. But for me, that is a very low earth vibration. And, and the yeah. Z's have said, you know, politics is currently so low vibration, because of the corruption in there, and that we are at a period of history, where that has to change. And over the next decade, we're going to be in a kind of revolution, essentially, um, that I think energetically is already here, but I think on a physical level is only just beginning to play out. And isn't it interesting how the energetics kind of come first and then, you know, you because you, you said it even with, yes, with the news, but also just in general, like there's there's so much shifting happening in society and it feels right now, it feels almost more chaotic and more awful. But I've always been like, I know, but I feel like we're really at the tipping point and what you're feeling here is just people holding on like bare, like white knuckling it. And so it feels really ugly and it feels really physical, but it's almost like the energy has already happened. And it's like, they're just holding on before they get whipped down and we're in that holding on thing. But it's like, no, it's already, 
it's already moving forward, but it's hard to believe that when you're not physically in it. It's true. It's true. You know, I love Maria Shriver's Sunday paper newsletter. And this Sunday, she very specifically spoke about how she was just um, on an airplane uh, that was delayed uh, for five hours. It was supposed to be a five hour flight. It was 10 hours. She said, if you believed all the stories you see on the news, should I would have gone into fear that people would have been losing their minds and there would have been outbursts on the plane. And she said, everyone was great. Shouldn't it was a reminder to me that we, that's why she started what she started because we don't hear enough about the power of the human spirit. And there is a right. reason for that. There is a, a very calculated very reason that we don't hear about that. So we are at the time where that paradigm, I don't want to say it's losing its power because it still has its fingers in all of the power systems around the world, but it's losing its spell. And so it, that's why this time is so edgy. But I'm, I'm like you, I, I feel a very positive future is possible for us and that we are working towards. And for me, that has required paying attention to those people, those individuals, those groups who are doing really beautiful things on the planet and, and looking for them and celebrating them when I see them and knowing that they're there. It's just at the moment, we still have this very centralized power system that my guides have said, you know, this is going to be the period where we really see it starting to crumble and break down. I think that makes us nervous because we've been so used to it. Yeah. But I remember being on stage in London and channeling a message from them in about 2015 or 2016. It didn't make sense to me at the time. They closed this evening event with a channel where they said 2017 to 2024 are going to be quite tumultuous years on the planet. But they said, for those of you who are soul based, and you are here for this time, they are also going to be very golden years for you on a personal level. And they said, that's not to say you won't have challenges, or you won't have heartbreak for people around you who are going through tough things. They said, but you will understand why you're here even more. And I have to say for myself, and for so many people, I know that came true. But when I was hearing that information in 2015 2016 I was like oh that's interesting and of course we all know what what started in the year of 2016 and then where we ended up 2020 and beyond so it, it's interesting because I know that this year and next year are I, I know that 2024 is a really big year uh, you never quite know what that means right. um, and it's <laughs> it, it can be lots to, of things it can be lots of things and also there is a tendency in the spiritual community and also the community of people who keep their eye on conspiracies, many of which have a lot of truth in them, as we know, not all of them, where there is this tendency to predict on this day, this is going to happen. I mean, I've seen so many of those. So I think it's important not to get I've seen people go into terrible fear about what's going to happen on this day in 2013. And then this day comes along and nothing evidently seems to happen. So I think you have to hold it all lightly and try and be in the moment as much as you can. But I mean, that goes back to what we were just talking about the Z's and how they have a lightness to them, where I do feel like even with the way in this book, they talk about how we were all wearing, and I might say it incorrectly, so please feel to correct me. It's um like we all have kind of eight roles that we play or eight things that we master. 
-hmm. And it's like, which really takes a little bit of the onus off of what is my one sole purpose I'm supposed to be doing here and I'm failing because I haven't found it and I'm the worst and blah, blah, blah. And, and by the way, and in there, it's like, it could be parenting. It could be music. It could be, it's not like this. It's not always, I think everyone feels like unless you're signing up to do something that everyone else would look at as like saving the world or humanity, then somehow you're failing. And I think what they do a really good job is reminding us that it's really vibration and like vibration elevates things around it. It could be elevating one person near you. It could be elevating the earth. It could be elevating just other vibration, which ultimately has a much bigger effect. So talk about that a little bit, because I think it's so interesting. Yeah, I found that interesting too. They they basically describe enlightenment as having mastered eight areas in your life. That's fascinating. So, which I'd never heard of before, and definitely, you know, when I when I was first a student of self growth and spirituality, which is now thirty one years ago, was really when I started getting into it when I was sixteen. I remember, you know, enlightened people were like God. It was like, oh my God, imagine, like, imagine you could ever become this enlightened person. And I did that thing that we all do, which is, that's the goal. And will I ever get there? And, you know, do I even know how to, you know, I I couldn't even figure out how to get there. And um, what's interesting to me is they've talked about when you are a human, even if you are what someone else would see as an enlightened human, you will still be going through human and earth growth. Otherwise you won't be here. You will leave the planet. Um, So that was a myth breaker for me, but they talked about eight areas being qualities or behaviors or actions that you master. So a quality could be, I have mastered self-love. You know, I was born into a family where I was abused. So I abused myself for years and slowly but surely I mastered the art of self-love and so now I'm walking around the world it's even more powerful than me just being born knowing how to be nice to myself it's more powerful that I was so tortured and I have learned to heal that ancestral self-torture line that I really took the clothing on of And now I'm walking around with the formula in me that you can transcend and transform. So that's one area of mastery. Perhaps the other area of mastery is music. For example, they talked about um, people who are, we consider them musical geniuses. Um, That might be their greatest area of mastery, which is why people get so disappointed at their heroes when they're like, but how can my hero have been a not very nice person? Well, because in their genius area, they were in their light. But in some of these other areas, they were in their shadow and they just weren't aware of it or they didn't care. So, you know, this whole eight, eight mastery thing is, is very interesting to me. But the, the other side of it that they also talk about, which I think is interesting, they talk about connection points between us as individuals. And the eight number comes up again because they said, we will feel very close to people we have eight connection points or more with. So for example, if you and I were friends, let's say you and I both grew up in a family where humor was one of the love languages. And that is true for me. Like my family's strongest love language is probably humor when it comes to verbal communication. So you and I get each other, like, cause we, we know that humor. So we both, we identify on that. You and I are both into work, spiritual work. We do it. We're students of it. Cool. There's two. Uh, You and I both really enjoy certain types of movies. There's three. You and I both really care about kindness. 
we really value kind people. We're both trying to become more evolved in our own kindness. So you see, they start stacking up. And the more of these crossovers that we have with each other, the more we're compatible. And they say that, you know, we reach enlightenment through each other. We reach enlightenment through vibrationally sharing and learning with each other. So that's where I found this eight number kind of interesting. That is um, interesting. And how it stacks up. And again, it's all about that vibration because they, you know, they talk a lot and you've been saying how you can be enlightened and still be going through some shit or you can be your spiritual be being and you're supposed to be feeling stuff and it's not always great. And if anything, I think what you learn from your work and from the Z's is this idea that in some ways that is your spirituality, mm -hmm. right? And I feel like one of the things that I found interesting is when they talk about the heart space and the heart center um, and how also earth represents the heart, how weirdly the planet earth is really representation of the heart, which I wanna get into deeper, which you might not have yet reached because that might be part of like the galactic history stuff, but I wanna get into it, but also how when you think about it like tangibly, how the earth is, you know, the ground, it's beneath you. And I, I try and teach this all the time and I feel like you're gonna have a lot better, like better words for it, which this idea where I always say is, in some ways, because you chose this human incarnation and you chose a human body, you're never going to reach your peak spirituality if you don't embrace the physical because you chose it as part of this experience. So that's where the embodiment comes in. That's where feeling things come in. But also even take it deeper, which you do in this book is kind of this connection to the earth and what the earth can give you in a grounding sense. And it's almost like the more you put your feet on this ground, it's almost like the more expansive you can become. Mm -hmm. I find that such a great paradox that I love and I would love for you to dive in more and with some of the things Aziz have said about it because I loved how the book went into that. Yeah, I'll explain it first on a level of what I observed because one of the great gifts for me of moving from only being a student of personal growth and spirituality into also sometimes being a channeler for it, a teacher for it, a figurehead for it, is it gave me a chance to see who are we as spiritual seekers and what are some of our core beliefs? What are some of our consistent issues, which I know you and anyone who's ever held space around this work will get to see. One of the things I realized at a certain point, and I recognized I had done the same thing years earlier, was we'll sometimes go into spirituality to escape our human pain. It might not be the only reason. You won't only go there. You have to, at some level, believe that you are a spiritual being and you have to have some alignment with spirit to even be willing right. to go over there. Otherwise, you'll just turn to drugs, alcohol, some other right. destructive behavior that has nothing to do with spirit. Most people will go there because they're drawn to it, but many of us go there because it feels safer healthier, lighter than what we've experienced in our human life. Like I definitely came to spirituality as a more wounded person than I would say I am now in the way I carry myself and experience myself in the world. But what's interesting is when you've absorbed a certain amount of spirituality, spirit sends you back. <laughs> it's like, you know, yes. it's, it's like you, you kind of keep going, yeah, I want the next level experience. I want the next level awakening. And at a certain point, spirit goes, you've had 12 of those. Now we aren't going to be able to take you any further unless you now come back and deal with that stuff with your mother. But no, 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 you know, so we're, we're negotiating. No, 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 I want more of that. 
So it's interesting how I've noticed that happens to all of us. And sometimes that's why major awakenings are accompanied by massive life uh, revolutions. So Mm. I think of one of my biggest, which happened when I was 33. And in the same year, the relationship I thought I'd be in forever collapsed. The work I was doing, I carried on doing the work, but everything around the work kind of collapsed. Um, my home, my, just everything, everything that I knew and was living and at this point, in, you were a channel, like you were doing that I was work, already right? doing was the work. Channel. Right. I, and the one thing that stayed with me through that time was my work, which was so interesting. And of course, my family and friends, but it was like the revolutionary year of my life. And my guides had always said to me, oh, 33 is going to be a turning point year in your life. Now, I never thought to ask them what that year would look like. I just think, oh, sounds interesting. And it was it was the year from hell as an experience, but I now know that who I am today is built on the ashes of that year and could never have been born if mm. if that hadn't happened. So, and I've seen this with so many people. It's almost like you have spiritual awakenings that are so big because at the very beginning of that year, I lived for about six or seven days with absolutely no fear of anything in my life. And I'm not uh, I'm not a massively fearful person, but to live without any fear was just a revolutionary to me. And at the time I thought I was going to stay, or I hoped I might stay there and I didn't. So this was before everything crumbled. You just had, yeah. so then you're, it's like, you're like I'm there. I've reached like, everything. Yeah. I just, I'd never lived like that. It was extraordinary. And I can remember it and I've had moments and experiences and half a day or a day like that ever since. But what I have noticed is after that, I up-leveled my general vibration. And so that's what I'm saying about these highs. You, The spirit will expand you until you get to a point where your body is now holding you back. And it's not necessarily your physical body. It's the weight of emotion that you feel around abandonment. So you create some scenario in your life where you get abandoned and the wound gets triggered and if you believe the wound only, then it's the worst day or year of your life. But if you let the wound move through you and go, oh, I am releasing abandonment through this. When I come out the other side, I'm just going to remind myself or my friends are going to remind me or my coach is going to remind me or the intuitive I just saw is going to remind me that there is a reason for this, which takes us right back to the beginning of our conversation. Like, can we, can we live in and know both? Can we know that we are going through things on a human level that have a bigger purpose for our future, for the future of the planet. Do they talk about this idea of, so energetically, you're, and physically, well, let's talk about physically and energetically, we're holding this stuff. You were presented these kind of opportunities or situations to reprocess this energy, mm -hmm. to like release it. Um, do they ever talk about kind of energetically what happens? Like, does it go down? Is it into the earth? Do they ever talk about the actual mechanics of it does yeah. that make sense yeah they do they do actually because they they say we release it or we recycle it so if we don't release it we can recycle it through ourselves so for example let's say i'm very very negative about this friend i've got in my life and i'm having coffee with you and i'm like oh god i can't believe the way he just spoke to me <laughs> and you offer me a way out you go well have you thought about doing therapy lee or you know lee you're still talking about this and i'm like no i'm fine it's not ah. you know I, I i fight you i'm no i'm i'm not letting go of this then next week 
either poor you or someone else, because you're like, early, no, I'm not available for coffee this week. You learn your lesson. Someone else is going to hear that story. And I'm just recycling, recycling over and over again. I'm not getting anywhere with this. Um, releasing it looks like, huh, what's underneath this for me? Have I felt this wound before? Oh, God, yeah. This reminds me of that time I wasn't believed at school. And this triggered me the way that my dad used to speak to me. And, and, and a trigger has come up that has made me move out of my heart in relationship to this friend, defend, disconnect. But when we release it, it does release. The other thing, so releasing can you know be everything from taking a year to slowly let the energy out. It doesn't go away overnight, but you practice not being so negative in your self-talk. You do journaling about it. You work with somebody who can hold space for you around it or a friend or a family member, or you basically set an intention that I don't want this to be normal for me. I want to change this aspect of me. But the big thing they say is nothing that we think is personal is personal. It's and so this true. Is, God, this would have saved me so much time. Like it was, it, you know, I think of all the years I tortured myself thinking, oh, there's something wrong with me or the shame I'm carrying. And they're like, no, you were just carrying ancestral shame and you swallowed it. And this is the way you interpreted it in your mind. That was not your energy alone. You were not alone in that. And this is where the aloneness of our feelings can really disconnect us. It's why things like AA work. It's why any group where you're allowed to sit and just, how are you feeling today? And you just air your feelings and you go, oh, wow. I also am feeling like that, which is weird because I thought you were like really successful because you just got married and I really want to get married. So I thought, well, lucky you, everything's fine. Yeah, you just got married. It was a great day. But my God, you're dealing with depression. Oh, OK. So there's this dysmorphic idea that we all have of each other, that we're each one thing. And the Z's say that the ancestral wounds that we inherit are the ones that have been recycled. So if your parents spoke to you in a very judgmental way, because that's what they were told. They are recycling judgment toward you. And you then will either carry that and you will recycle it toward yourself internally. And or you'll also, when your friend comes in and goes, oh, my God, look at my pretty dress. You'll go, mm, I don't like that dress because that's you don't know how to appreciate somebody because no one ever appreciated you. So you're just in the habit of recycling. So, yeah, recycling is like replaying it in your own self or outwardly. And we've usually all ingested it from society. And I mean, you think about how cruel the playground can be. Oh. It's where we inherit most of that stuff. You know, the yeah. playground can be brutal. The question is, do we then live through that behavior unconsciously? Or do we catch those moments when we're at a party, and a friend says something to us, and we say something that we think is fine, and we notice the disappointment on their face. And then we go, Oh, that was a bit cutting whoa, why did that come out my mouth? Hmm. And it might be that it comes out of your mouth with a person who's holding an energy because they're used to being cut. But you catch the part of you, oh, wow, I was just cutting with my words. I would never have been like that to my other friend. Okay, I need to, what is that? Where did that come from? I, I don't want to do that again. And that's so interesting because that goes back to everything's energy, right? And then the relations yeah. are energy. So it's like, does that go to that idea of, even though it was one small instance using your party, you know, you cut, they're cutting words as an example, is that like, can that little thing be part of a contract 
that was agreed upon before with two people? Can that one little instance be part of why people are within each other's orbits? The Z's would say that is an active contract, meaning, um, you know, if you are someone who is who's been bullied all your life and you are now wearing the clothing of hi you come into a room like this like you you literally look like the person that if i blew on you you'd fall over <laughs> yes you put a bully in that room and remember a bully is trying to assert and affirm their own power because of very deeply hidden chronic insecurity but you can't even see it in their behavior because it's so buried um the bully is going to love you and is going to eat you alive. That's an active contract based on your energy. Doesn't necessarily mean that in another life you knew that bully. It's just the way that because we're generally unconscious with these energetic patterns, we're all just kind of playing them out. And you notice it, you feel it in yourself. Like you get around someone who's really aggressive, you're feeling great. And you get around someone who's really like ready to tell you and you're a bit jolted and you're like, oh, that knocked me out of my center. That knocked me out of my power that knocked me out of feeling good. I'm going to have to come, I'm going to have to shake that off. I have to release what just came through me and I'm going to have to come back to myself. So that's why the energetics of everything are, are so important because they can influence us in great and difficult ways. And the, the question is how aware of the energetics are you? And that, that has been the biggest thing that the Z's have really trained me in. And, and I don't want to just give them the credit because like many of your listeners or viewers, I've done all kinds of workshops, research, you know, still today, I'm actively looking for things that will help me be a better human and feel more aligned uh, in my life and in my work and on earth. But they, there's something about them for me, and I guess for the people who resonate that has just changed the way I see things very fundamentally. But like, I mean, I love that you just said, I don't want to give them all the credit because you have to take some for yourself. I mean, isn't... Well, and other teachers, like other other wise people, friends, family members, teachers that I have gone to who've helped me. That, I, that was what I meant, yeah. No, but ultimately, I love that you're saying that because even with other teachers, I think it's such a reminder that, yes, there's guides, there's teachers. Mm. Really, you have to do the work. It's so true. Because you could go sit in front of a million incredible teachers and if A, you're not ready to hear it or ready to do the work, it doesn't really matter what they're saying. And ultimately, you still have to do the work, even if you, you know, hung on to every single word they said. So I love that you actually said that, like someone could listen to everything you channel, but if they're not ready to take it and then, you know, take that moment of realization, take that moment of starting to understand. But yes, they're being shown, hey, your energy, start to pay attention to it. But if they don't want to pay attention... Yeah, I, I love that you bring this up because the, the Z's will also say this, and I've seen this happen. The Z's will say, you will hear us exactly how you want to hear us. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to us again, the exact same thing we said a week later, you will hear it differently. And I have I literally that. seen people, I, I you know, we have like a Facebook group for the portal, my members community. Over the years, I have seen people go, I can't believe the Z's said this. And I'm like, oh. I didn't think they said that. And I, cause I'm channeling, I don't, I can't hear everything. And I'll go to like a member of my team or two and they'll go, no, they didn't say that. They said this, but this person is convinced because they had a reaction they needed to have. And I thought just like life, you know, we, we hear what we're capable of hearing. So a person who might be giving you helpful feedback, you hear as an attack. 
and the person goes, no, I, wa I wasn't trying to attack you, but you're, they, they put their finger right on your wound. And so all you hear is the pain of the wound and the pain and the reaction. And it's very interesting. It's so funny because I was teaching a section of our teacher training the other day. And one of the students asked me, um, aren't, how do you prepare? And aren't you worried that you're going to trigger someone? And I mean, it goes to this point where I was like, I am sure I've triggered a lot of people and I'm sure I've pissed off a lot of people. And I'm sure there's people who think I'm the worst human and teacher there is. Like, I'm sure because you don't know what someone's going through. You don't know how, what someone's feeling. You don't know what someone wants to hear, or what someone's already showed up to feel. And, and I said, obviously, I never go into any situation wanting to trigger anyone. And I would love to learn from any time I've triggered anyone. Um, because I'm sure I've done stuff that I could know better. Like, I'm sure there's things that are coming from a place of just being naive or not aware at times. But I said, you're going to trigger people. Yeah, you are, which I think is one of the most interesting things about this time we're in now, where there is this, <laughs> it's like, oh, we're not allowed to. And it's like, you know, we're going to really be in trouble if we don't have facility to talk through and heal through our triggers rather than creating rules and regulations around them which is is a very interesting time we're in but it's funny you say that because i i think it always comes back to communication like can you communicate your way through a trigger with the teacher the yeah. friend the person and equally there were some teachers along the way for me that I realized their joy was to trigger people. And that was, the, and they would, oh, that would be their excuse. <laughs> They'd be like, well, I'm just being spiritual. And I'd be like, okay, this is not how I'm going to learn best. I'm not disputing it for other people because there were some people who were like, yeah, I love it. Trigger the hell out of me. And I'm like, yeah, no, the world is triggering enough. Right. <laughs> I'd we like all have to different go ways. to a place where I can feel my triggers in a place where I feel like I can reorganize them rather than a place where I'm going to have to defend them against another punch in the face. You know, that, 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 and, and I've met some very reckless healers okay. and teachers over the way. And I think that's another thing you have to learn. I, like many in my 20s, because someone was a Reiki healer, you just go, oh, well, they're a Reiki healer. They know everything. But yeah. Are they a good Reiki healer? Are they the Reiki healer you need? It's like a therapist. It, it's not the therapist's fault if you don't like them. You just have to keep finding the one that fits with you. It's it's like anything. But I, I was not taught that at a young age because there was such a um, spirituality was so kind of niched away from us that when you go in there, a bit like going into a cult, you'll believe what you're told. So you you learn from some bad behavior from healers and teachers. And I think that's I think that's very useful provided it, you're not damaged along the way. And sadly, a lot of people do get damaged and end up in quite damaging situations because they give their spiritual power away to this teacher or guru who has a lot of human stuff that they are playing out at your expense. I, you know, I, I say it a lot. I say it a lot on this podcast too. And I say it in my classes all the time. If you ever show up to a teacher, a healer, anyone who basically says in some words, like you need me to heal, or I'm your answer, I'm always like, turn around and walk away. away. Just yeah. walk away. Like, that's just not the case. And I say we're guides, like, and, and same, just like you said, what you talked about, even, you know, when you get triggered or, 
you know, it's all a vibrational connection. So, you know, one teacher, one book, one, it's all going to be what you need. It's not going to be the same for your best friend or the person over there. So, you know, everyone has a different cup of tea, you know, and it's, you have to be aware, like you said, it's like interviewing your, you know, your psychologist, your shrink. It's like, you don't have to like every single one you go to, no matter how great someone else thinks they are. And maybe they are great, but they might not be your great. And that doesn't mean that therapy is wrong for you. That means those first two therapists you tried are not the right fit for you. Exactly. It's so interesting. I want to, and then we're going to get back on, but because you brought it up. So I have been really fascinated with the fact that, you know, you're in your forties, correct? I'm, I just turned 47. Yeah. uh, So we're like the same age. Happy birthday. Ah, thank you. When's your birthday? April 1st. So we're very... Oh, I'm April 28th. Oh my God, we're right. So I begin, you end. That's yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so we're... But my point is, so I'm aware, you keep saying your spiritual journey really started young and the fact that... 31 years ago, yeah. Yeah, so talk about that because I know from growing up back then, it wasn't in your face as much. And no, if anything, you were always you... kind of the weirdo. Yeah, you know, stuff. my grounded teacher at that time, uh, one of them was the Oprah Winfrey Show. So I was 16 years old in the UK and I was revising for my exams. And I only put this together years later, but I would revise for my end of, you know, my end of school exams. And my reward was if I, if I revise for two hours, then I can go and watch the Oprah Winfrey show. And for people who maybe know the Oprah Winfrey show, um, it changed a lot over the years. And back then it wasn't like Super Soul Sunday. It, it didn't have any of that. But what it did have, which is why I was riveted, it had people talking about their lives. Yes, it was like one big AA session. And, and so I was watching it going, oh my God, people are speaking about feelings. And I could not, I was eating it up because what I hadn't yet worked out, out was I was very sensitive to feelings but I wasn't aware I was. So my way of dealing with that was to turn it on myself. I had, you know, eating disorders. I was taken to Weight Watchers age 10. So I started my self attack journey around the age of nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my way of coping. And ironically, 16 was when I began to find my way out of that and started to burrow out. So we had Oprah on a grounded level and a friend took me to a tarot reading, uh, tarot card reading. And I was in the tarot card reading and don't get me wrong, the information was great. And I really liked this tarot reader and I saw her for years. But the energy in the room when we were doing the reading, it was like, I was like, this makes sense to me. And I did not know at that time that I would end up being an intuitive reader and a channeler for people for years. That that seemed like something only ordained, weirdly mystical people should have had happen to them. So I then really went deep into metaphysics. I read Shirley MacLaine's Out on a Limb when I was 19. Wow. And I started voraciously reading all these books. My favorite spiritual book to this day still is The Four Agreements. But I got it the year it came out when no one knew about it. Wow. And I remember buying five copies for my five spiritual friends. That's how good I thought that book was. So it's interesting now because it's such a different world. And, you know, back then we didn't even really have the internet the way we do now at all. So it was very much the spiritual bookshop was where you had to go. And when you were going through like Weight Watchers and you were going on that journey, at that time, was there no emotional component of like? No, no. Uh, And what was interesting was nobody uh, really understood what was going on. So I was binge eating sugar in secret 
So to the outside eye, it didn't look like I was doing anything wrong. And what would happen was I'd come home from school and I would feel all this pain in my body, emotional. It felt emotional pain or like anguish about being at school because I really struggled at school between the ages of 11 and 16. Um, and so what I learned was if you consume five Mars bars in about eight minutes, you get a sugar rush that pulls you right out of that pain. The problem is 20 minutes to 30 minutes later, and I wasn't working this out, you then don't feel so great. And then you have to go and eat your dinner so that your family and your mom don't know what you did. So for me, that cycle, that behavior went on for about six years and I came out of it, developed bulimia because I lost the weight but yeah. couldn't stop the binge cycle. And I had bulimia for about four years not aggressive bulimia. It wasn't something I did every day, um, but it was there. And it was my mother's deep sadness when she found evidence of my bulimia, thanks to my brother and sister telling her, mm, there's something, there's, there's, there's a film of oil on the top of the toilet every time we go there and we don't know why. Um, my mother crying about the fact that I had bulimia woke me up. Like her, her pain somehow relayed into me and that was when i was like i'm never doing that again i'll deal with the consequences if i'm gonna binge i'll just gain all the weight again and of course i didn't um i kind of you know I, you at something. that point i and i'd healed a certain amount and i had also allowed my intuition in and so i'd allowed in a part of my identity that i still had to keep secret for a few years because i was very nervous about what will people think of an intuitive or a channeler and I knew that people call you a fraud and I knew that people attack you. And I just thought, oh, I don't want any part of that. So I just kept it secret for a few years. And the only reason I had to come out to my family was when one of my spiritual friends had told me you should do this as a job. And I started thinking no one would come. Um, I was My readings were so popular. It was getting hard to go home and visit my family at the weekend and wisely always running off with his laptop because I'd be typing up all these readings for people around the world who'd sent me three questions and I was trying to keep up with two jobs so at that point I had to kind of come out spiritually so two questions 11 to 16 you said was really hard for you at school was really that hard. because you were heavy yeah it was the identity of being a very overweight kid in an all boys school which was very sports and science and um logic based um very low on arts and creativity which was my natural lean um i also had always loved girls i'd always gotten really well with girls and all of a sudden i was in this very you know boys Masculine. you're taught to shut down your emotions you're taught not to say anything so to me it was like literally they may as well have put uh uh you know a, a big belt around my neck and tightened it and so, yeah, those years for me were, were, were now I look back on them, uh, it sounds dramatic, but when I think back to school, it was kind of like trying to survive my own internal hell. Well, um, it's like they took all dramatic. the air. No, but it, no, it's not because as you're oh, describing it to me, I was, I kept feeling like, oh, it's like they took all the oxygen of how you breathe away yeah. and expected yeah. you to stand up and be okay. Yeah. And I also learned how cruel and judgmental people could be because it was interesting when you, and this is one of the gifts for me about, I lost 60 pounds at the age of 16 and I was a lot, I was shorter. I was about four inches, maybe five inches shorter than I am now. So I was evidently, I wasn't just like a chubby kid. 
I was a kid who clearly had a weight problem. And so, you know, Brendan Fraser's movie, The Whale, where he's at a whole other level, but I haven't seen that movie and I probably will at some point, but I'm nervous to see it because I know what it's like to be looked at and treated with Mm. scorn purely for your appearance. So when I lost the weight, which was what I really wanted to do, and of course you also, you wanna have romance and you wanna be found attractive. But what was so interesting for me then was I didn't know whether I could trust somebody who was interested in me because of my appearance, because I knew if they'd met me three or four years ago, they would have rejected me. So it, it, that's something I've had to work on, um, that that level of body dysmorphia that still has echoes for me occasionally, because it was, it was part of my young wiring. But what it really taught me was, wow, we, we judge. And so I've tried in my own life to remember being on the receiving end of that. And if I've caught myself doing it to others, I've gone, okay, Lee, hang on a second. You're, you're judging based on what you think is a surface thing and you know what that's like. So let's go a little deeper. And of course, with my intuition coming online, it really helped me and, and was a gift because you got someone in front of you going, yeah, I'm fine. And you're like, they're not fine. Mm. And with my intuition, if I wanted to, I could go, oh, okay, they've got some grief. I'm not going to ask them. It's not my place. They're not asking me to but there's some grief there and I can trust that I can feel some grief. Okay. It's so funny, it, it that was going to be go my beyond next, the surface. Yeah. That yeah. was going to be my next question, which is if you kind of believe that we kind of choose our paths, why do you think you dropped yourself in there? Yeah. And you know what my, I was very lucky that I came from a loving and supportive family in action. So, you know, my mom would always like take me to the theater rehearsals I wanted to go to where I could express myself. So I had a family that really, you know, my family to this day is still like that. They will support you as they can, whether it's any of the grandkids. It doesn't mean that everybody understands each other on an emotional or a psychological level, but the action was there. I now realize that part of my training as a kid, which I think happens to many of us who end up doing this work, I needed to know what it's like to be so silenced and Mm. so out of your power and yet have this feeling that there was a voice in me I was supposed to bring out to the world, which at the time I thought was music and was being a singer-songwriter. And when I was little, I thought, oh, it's acting. It's writing and directing films. And eventually it found its way to this. And I, I think it's, it helps because you, you know your own um, past around pain. So even if you're not actively in pain in your life right now, you know what it's like to feel trapped, to feel silenced, to feel uh, like you can't get out, like you're imprisoned. So I think, I think there are many different reasons that it probably set me up to to do the work I do in in many different ways. And what resonated with me is what a beautiful thing that you are an agent of people who feel powerless, teaching them that they actually are full of power and they are power. Because it's like Mm. you just said, you were so silenced, like you didn't even know you had a voice, you didn't even know. And how beautiful that you understand what that's like to go from feeling like you're empty to knowing how full you are. So cool. Yeah. And I don't know if you relate to this with your work. And I I think this is true for all of us as humans. It's quite hard to truly know the impact you have on your best friend, your family member, the, the work that you're doing in the world that might reach lots of people. 
But what I can understand, and this is why I'm always grateful that I do the work I do, I know who helps me. So I know how the way my grandmother used to smile at me made me feel. I know how my favorite author lifts me up. I know what Don Miguel Ruiz's book did for me. I know what Elizabeth Gilbert that I listened to on a podcast does for me. Yesterday, I heard Mel Robbins on a podcast and it was lovely. So I know how important to me all those touch points of connection are, whether I get them through music, through literature, through a friend, through dancing, whatever. So... I, I call it the wheel. There is this wheel of creativity and consciousness and information that we all take from. And so I have got so much from media. I have got so much from music, from writing, from books, from workshops, that for me to be able to now give back into that wheel and to be someone for whom a certain group of people will resonate with one thing I do, or maybe years of things I do. I love that. That's That feels very... Um, true to me it's mm. yeah that feels so that I can understand but it's I think it's always a little I, I personally feel like you have to have a very clear boundary as well around people who might be grateful for your work when you are in a position where lots of people like your work because it's not healthy and it's not appropriate to um to take in too much of that energy or appreciation that might come toward you for your work. And I say that not to be rejecting of it because no. it's lovely, but it's, it's, it should never be a food source for me because if one day I decide I'm not doing it anymore or it goes away, there will be some kind of loss, but also it's not mine to take. I think that's the mm. tricky thing about being someone in a, in a public position. And I can only imagine what it's like for people who, you know, known by multi-millions around the world, I can see how it can be very distorting for you as a person if you aren't really vigilant around it. Um, yeah. Well, didn't does he say in this book, the difference of admiration versus connection? I think that was the connect, which I think fits perfectly with what you're saying. And this idea, if it's not admiration you want from people, and even if you have it, that's not the thing you grab onto. And you literally just said this, it's the connection. And you're even saying that it's the totally. vibration you're receiving from other people. And, and they said, if you fill yourself on, up on the admiration, what was it that that's the problem? All of a sudden you feel very empty. Um, yeah. Like, I think when you create work, like I, like everybody have a standard and I want us to, I want me and my team to produce work of a high standard. We won't always, but we will always do our best. Mm -hmm. But for me, I don't take that much, um, appreciation from someone going, oh my God, that thing you did was brilliant. I'm like, okay, phew. I'm more like, okay, phew. We didn't mess it up. Right, right, right. If you, if, if you, I'm never like, oh, good, we're brilliant. But if you say to me, that thing you did, I was having grief about my dad's death and it just found me on that day and it really helped me release. That makes me happy. I'm like, oh, oh, that, that I see the value in. Because it's totally something you did that we have no control over. You were able to use as food. Great. I, it's so funny. I relate to this so much. I almost get uncomfortable if someone ever gives me any admiration praise, but if someone says like, yes, you helped me uncover my grief and then, and it's not even about, I know I didn't do it. I'm like, yeah. if you got that from that, then it's like, I almost cry. Cause then it's like, I feel like 
I got to be witness of being part of something so incredible more than I, I know. It's like, I know it's not me. Like we know that, right. If you're doing the work hopefully. and hopefully they start to realize it's them doing it and they're going through it. Um, but it's true. That's what gets me. That's like when I feel that vibration in me where I'm like, I get emotional almost because it's so beautiful to be part of such change. And like, you know, when the energy shifts. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's funny. You've said a few things that I'm like, yes, completely. But it does. It keeps going back to when you were saying even the wheel that you receive. Um, it goes back to exactly what you talk a lot about being these multidimensional beings. And it's the heart. That's your soul. And it's the vibration in the heart. I mean, they even say that that's kind of where you create from. That's if we could all expand and create from that vibration in the heart, the, the earth would be a completely different place. And I, I totally resonate with that. Yeah, and I, I do think that's that's some of the grief that we can have when we recognize that, you know, when we when we recognize that the world could be something other than it is mm. uh, and and also that we could, because I think we can't live in that 100 percent of the time when the key vibration of the world is not that I'm not saying you can't work at it and I'm not saying there aren't people who've achieved it. But it's it's a lot of work to isolate yourself away from the key vibration of the world in order to create a key vibration purely through you and spirit. And there are certain people who do it on the planet and they do it because they are consciousness pyramids who are basically creating that energy on the earth. But for most of the rest of us, we are trying to do it through awareness, shifting ourselves, offering different ways of being. And it's slow and steady work. But I think the grief can come from what you know could be possible. And I think that's why it's so heartbreaking when you see some of the, the lowest things. You know, when you see some of the lowest ways that, that, that people will speak to each other. And I'm not even talking about just on the street here. You know, I'm thinking about how heartbreaking some of the reality checks around our systems have been in the last few years. And you look at what's going on politically right yeah. now and governmentally, and you're like, what? Yeah. So it's, 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 I think, I think that grieving is a real thing. I think sometimes people get consumed by the grief in a way that leads them to inaction or despair. And sometimes we grieve and we use that grief to go, okay, I would like to be an advocate for this area that's breaking my heart, either because I'm going to talk to people in my friends group about it, even if they don't want to talk about it. At first, they're like, oh, let's not talk about that. I'm going to say, did you know that X, Y, and Z is happening? Or I'm going to literally go towards the system where the problem is and be one of the people trying to bring light towards that system. Or I'm going to sit at home and meditate for peace all day. You know, whatever your choice is, whatever your unique way of dealing with it is, getting downtrodden by the grief is how we lose our power. Grief is supposed to transform us. The Z's talk about grief being a transformation agent, meaning it's supposed to move through you and it's supposed to leave you and it's supposed to leave you different on the other mm -hmm. side of it. But I do see a lot of people, stuck and I, I get it, get stuck in it. Yeah. And I've, I've had my times in my life where I'm stuck in it, but I'm I've never seen a time in the world like this where there are so many possible invitations to grief, shock, or fear. Let's talk about the weird stuff a little bit, which I love. Um, but, you know, you, they mentioned kind of the 
the planetary grid and mm. and then also how humans are here elevating for the first time we're in a higher consciousness state and hopefully the goal is to keep raising it and they talk about how the grid you know has is at a higher you know vibrational place than it was before but so it so are we which i guess my question is a explain it a little bit but b which one elevates the other well, oh God, I'll put it this way. So one of the things that they say, and by the way, you and I didn't discuss this before we started recording this, but if you want to speak to the Zs, we can do that too. Oh, I mean, of course, I love that. Whenever, I mean, <laughs> they, they could probably answer that question better than I could, but what I, I'll share this before we go to them, unless you have any more for me. But um, they talk about the challenge of this time is that consciousness is at a higher level on the planet than ever before. They actually say that even though the internet has its problems and has things that we need to be mindful of, the internet has been a big part of that because it has unified globally certain pieces of information, certain things that were previously a little more controlled country to country. It has brought a lot together. So even though it has its problems, that has been a big part of why consciousness has raised. And what they mean by that is there are more people on the planet than ever before who are lifted out of the old programming of the way we assumed life was. Get married, go to university, get a job, have a good job. When you're 65, you can go on cruises until you die at 80. You know, it's like, you know, that was like the, you know, and I'm, I know that's general and I know that's not true for every country. I, I can only really speak about what we were sold when we were kids, but that was kind of all we yeah. were sold. Um, and there's so much more to it than that. So what they say is more people than ever before are A, more intuitive and more emotionally aware and connected to themselves as a human being than ever before. And also within that group, some are more connected to themselves because they are questioning what they see in the world more than ever before. But in tandem with that, and because there are more people of that level of consciousness, there is also even more of a, um, even more of an attempt to pull us down. Right. So that's why you see the friction. That's why the, the acts of division have become even more obvious, like to the point where you're like, I can't quite believe they just said that publicly, but they did. So, you know, they say that's the challenge of our time. A few years ago, they said, energetically, you're at war right now. Most people wouldn't understand that or wouldn't see that. But actually what's going on is, is, is a war for the soul of humanity and the future of the planet being one that is expansive versus one that is controlled. So let me um, bring them in. If that's Please, I can ask them a million questions. We can get to all the weird stuff with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a question for you that. before you bring them in. Mm-hmm. How do you, how much do you hear? How do you retain? I hear everything as it's happening. So my experience is a bit like sitting behind my own head. Mm-hmm. I retain, oh God. Five percent. There might be three things they say that pique my interest as a human being, and I remember them. But even with you know editing the book, you're I'm learning. Like, oh my god! Like, I, and someone will say to me, "Oh, there's because sometimes they'll talk about me personally, 
And I think they do it to illustrate the relationship that we all have with guides, with beings. And I'm shocked by some of the stuff. I mean, that it talks say. about your whole angelic structure in this last book. Oh God, you see, I've already slightly wiped oh, that yeah. off the hard drive. I should probably, because there's only so much you can. Well, you have a you lot can... of angels, by the way, just so you, just right. so you remember. You have a lot I've more than the average. I've been feeling them lately. I've been going through some stuff in my personal life the last few months, and I've really, more viscerally than ever, felt these angels wrapped around me while I'm going through it. It's, it's been beautiful, actually. It's, yeah. yeah. Anyway, they said most I mean, people have no more than four, and you have a lot. Because right. that's part of your connection. I was going to say that's not just because of me. That's, I guess, because of my job. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, and they say that is because you. of your job. But I loved how they did that. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> Good. A pleasure to be with you. You are very fast, uh, which is one of your blessings and your curses. It's a blessing for you because you are able to, shall we say, process high-level information at high speed. It is a curse for you because you have always found the world a bit slow. Ha! Uh, so you have always enjoyed engaging with people and activities where energy can speed up. And interestingly for you, certain acts of stillness, certain activities uh, around stillness help you mm, feel your speed more than anything. So sometimes there is this perception that if you are a fast person, uh, you need to run fast in order to feel your speed. But actually, the truth is the opposite. Uh, for you, one of the reasons that you have been so drawn to acts of stillness is not necessarily to calm yourself down, but instead to open up your speed of information. So for you as a young child, psychic information and energy was very present. It was very much in your awareness. But there was a lot of, shall we say, conflict energy around you when you were a child. Uh, this was good for you because you came in as a warrior and you wanted to be here as one who could stand in warrior energy. So you incarnated to a group and a situation where conflict energy and what we would call strong energy uh, was present so that you could truly retain your identity of being a warrior for peace. That is what you are. And by the way, you don't need to be uncomfortable that we're speaking about you so much because we're doing it for the benefit of all of your listeners. It is always useful to hear about each of you. And of course, they have a relationship with you and they know you. So for them, some of this will land. But also, we could be talking about some of them too. You all incarnate into groups of energetic identity that are going to support who you came here to be. So just to recap, you came here as a warrior for peace. And when you are, especially in your late 50s, this is when peace will become your greatest mission. We are not saying it is not your mission now. So far, your mission has been about connection. It has been about connecting others to themselves, connecting yourself to yourself, uh, wanting to live in a more connected world. Uh, but approximately uh, eight years from now, you will start to very heavily move into the next layer of your mastery, which is to be a peace bringer. And a good peace bringer knows how to, shall we say, uh, wrangle uh, the energetic fighters. So if a fighter comes to you who is trying to find peace, they will know that within your energetic formula, you know what it is to fight. And so they will trust you because you will see them and you will see the journey they are on. 
But yes, uh, from your late 50s onwards, your journey is going to be becoming even more of a peace ambassador on Earth. And even though we know that many of you are a little bit heartbroken about the conflict energy at the moment, part of that is because it is very gridded against you as humans. At this moment in time, the way your power structures look, you don't look very powerful. You look a bit powerless compared to the overarching power and money systems on the planet. But this will be wildly different by 2028. And we will be uh, telling you that you are moving toward it every year that you go from now on. So uh, by the last few years of this specific decade you are in, 28, 29, 30, there will be more of a peace movement than you have ever seen. And when we say a peace movement, we don't just mean protests on the streets, as was seeded in the 60s and 70s. Very important seeding, by the way, a very important evolutionary step. But we know at this moment in time, there is an agenda to try and stop you taking to the streets to protest. Uh, there is an agenda to try and stop you being allowed to protest peacefully or otherwise. Well, guess what? Peace always finds a way, for it is far bigger than any human control. So if you take away people's rights for peaceful protest, they will find other ways to become ever more powerful around peace. And you are going to go through some, uh, you might call them humbling moments on Earth in the next eight years, but we would call them uh, releases. Releases of identity and ego construct that will release you into more of the essence of peace that from childhood you have been able to tap into, but you would agree, would you not, that you have spent a lot of your earlier life mm, battling relationship dynamics that you are no longer battling. Uh, in the past five to 10 years, you have freed yourself from the fight around connection in intimate personal relationships. And that is very good, for that is now setting you on a path to, shall we say, emanate energetically and connect through your emanation rather than connect through your organization of energy. Mm, good. So that is all we will say about you directly to start with. But we will say you are doing very good work. Never doubt the fire that you hold. Your fire is important. Sometimes you or others have judged the amount of fire you have in your electrical energy. But you need that fire. And the people who have come to you also need that fire. Even the ones who have sometimes thought, Maybe that fire is a bit too much. Uh, you see, many are drawn to fire, but they just don't know when they should or shouldn't put their hand in it. Hmm. Do you feel there's an energy happening in general in the next 10 years? Like, is energy on this planet speeding up? It is speeding up, but what you will actually see is a slowing down of the chaos. So at the moment, what you are seeing is a very chaotic revolution on the earth that is leaving many of you who are sensitive a little bewildered as to where is the future. We know what the past was, and we know that the present is certainly not looking secure like the past did. The past felt like it held us more than this present does. But the future is going to be born of these changes. So things are speeding up, yes, but that doesn't mean that the world is going to look quite so chaotic or imbalanced as it will in this next, we will say, three to four years. And again, it is very difficult because when we say statements to you like the world is going to look imbalanced for three to four years, so many of you will hear us and immediately your hearts sink. 
because you decide what that looks like. You think you know what that means. You assume that means that the way you feel about the earth right now is going to be how you feel about the earth in three to four years. But we'll take you back right now. This is 2023. How did you all feel in 2020? Notice how differently you felt about the earth and the world then than you do now. So every year it changes because the uh, focus point for humanity keeps changing. And one of the acts that has been playing in a big way in the last, we will say, decade, but most of you were not aware of it prior to 2016, is a game of bait and switch where your attention is concerned. You're all asked to focus on this thing on the left while this thing on the right is happening. Well, there are enough very wise investigators on the planet now who are reporting to you where to look and telling you what's going on in a way that more of you are getting wise to, shall we call it, the power game on Earth. So the power game is beginning to lose its invisibility. And that is a very good thing. Because even though many of you are a little shocked or horrified, when you see some of the, shall we say, power corruption on the planet, it has to be seen to be changed. And more people need to see it than ever before, so that they will agree to no longer choose it. Can you say that for someone individually too? They have to see all of them to change, be an agent of change for themselves? Uh, very much so. And of course, the other reality is many people on your planet are what you would call stuck in survival mode. And in fact, they have been put there either because their country as a whole is given very minimal survival uh, by the rest of the world, by other countries that are holding them in that position or because the area they are born into in a country that, let's say, the survival is a little healthier for most citizens. They are born into one of the poorer or more mm, violent or more disturbed areas that are not being supported. Because again, what you all have to really take a good look at is, mm, are your power systems at any moment in time telling you that the well-being of you as humans and this planet and the sentient life on this planet that isn't human, are any of those power systems ever discussing that, ever discussing the well-being, the health of the life on the planet, uh, and thinking about it for the future? Or are they just uh, fixing any hole that they see that isn't really that big? It's a small hole that needs to be plugged up so that certain groups can survive or certain things won't fall apart. But the bigger question is to notice how mm, a great lack of future vision for any of you is ever discussed. You are never invited into that discussion. You are simply told what will happen. So, yes, it is true that an individual who is, shall we say, stuck in a power dynamic, either with their life circumstances, an intimate relationship, uh, an abusive family that they were born into, until they can understand what they are in and find a way to go beyond it, it's going to be very hard for them to look at the bigger picture because they are just focused on their direct survival. But once someone moves beyond survival, they get to put their head above the parapet and have a good look around at how things are working. It's why uh, so many people who have what you would call either opted out of society or sometimes those who rise to the top of society in terms of finance or success, all of the things that you are told will make you happy, which of course don't if they're devoid of connection. You could be the most miserable billionaire on the planet if you have no connection or purpose in your life. 
It's why so many who reach that place will turn around and tell the rest of you, oh, this dream is not quite the dream we were all sold it to be. And of course, 80% of people will switch off when they tell them that, understandably, because they say, well, it's all right for you. You've got the very resource that I need to get to the next level. So I'm not going to even hear what you're telling me. And we're not making this about uh, those people being right and the people listening to and rejecting them being wrong. We're simply telling you that the system of Earth as it is set up right now is limited. But you as human souls are not. You are supposed to live connected, purposeful lives. And many, many thousands of years ago, it was woven into your earthly systems that there would be a certain level of control wrapped around that, that many of you are now coming to see and feel because this is the period of history where it was always destined that the earth was going to, shall we say, reclaim its sovereign consciousness, not just through humanity, but all sentient life on earth. The earth herself has been willing to be held down this long, but she is not going to be very willing in the decades and centuries to come. What was the purpose during these centuries to hold the earth down and hold the people down? Why was it um, destined to come out of it now? Well, there are certain things that we will not say here today because we do not want to um, put we will first say Lee in a position at this time. Uh, it is not that we will not speak about it at other times or in other formats, uh, but you have to understand that there are power agendas that have been playing out galactically for a very, very long time. And it was decided that if Earth could be, shall we say, controlled in certain ways, then the evolution of Earth could be harvested rather than Mm, 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 mm. allowed to rise in prominence galactically. Earth was destined to rise in prominence galactically. And instead, a few groups decided they would like to keep the resources, uh, energetic and otherwise, of Earth for themselves. So this is a very old story uh, that many of you might hear. And especially if you are hearing this kind of information for the first time, it can be horrifying to you. You see it as a horror story, but if we tell you you've been living in it the whole time, but also that consciousness finds a way, you cannot entrap consciousness. Uh, that is why so many of you are now growing in ways that you have never experienced your growth before. But there was only so long that this, shall we say, gravity belt around the earth was ever going to hold. That is why there are several attempts now by some of the original seed group members to try and control everything again in a very dramatic and quick way. They will not succeed, but they will try. And so you as humans are currently dealing with that battle on Earth. As human consciousness is rising, there's a fear of kind of AI happening at the same time. Can you talk a little bit about that, about the growth of AI? Because I know you've talked about in the past how the heart center and the vibrations of the heart center are really truly the human experience. How can, how far can AI go? Well, first of all, we will say AI can be both a blessing and a curse at this time. Uh, the curse side of it is quite obvious. And many of you are beginning to have those discussions about the potential for AI to replace humanity. Now, that is not strictly true because the consciousness of AI cannot develop the heart frequency and very specifically the heart frequency of humanity that is so vital. But why we say there is a blessing to it is 
from our perspective with current timelines the way they are over the next two to three years, the potential danger of AI is going to expose several other elements on Earth that might, we would say, work against humanity's sovereignty and freedom. So it is sometimes the case that something comes along that looks like a great threat to you. And because enough people start to recognize it's a threat, they investigate what's behind it, what's underneath it, and what else is around it. And it exposes a few other things that need to be, shall we say, cleansed of your time. So we do see AI having its uses in the future. Uh, but you are right now, at this moment in time, uh, understanding that you as humans do not have control over AI. And that is revealing to all of you that you do not have the control you think you do over your own lives. And that is what is the, mm, shall we say, historical moment that you are all having. It is the moment where a world wakes up and questions who is in charge of them and why and how long has this been going on for and is humanity happy for it to continue? That is the global question that many of you are asking consciously, but that all of you a decade or so from now will be highly aware of. So what I'm also hearing running through everything you've been saying is this idea of yes, questioning the control over our humanity, but also in your daily life, starting to ask questions and check in with what your actual truth and your choices are, and if they're actually your own. Yes. So is this influence mm, leaving me in my heart? Does my body feel open, expanded in my heart? Or does my body feel bombarded by what I just heard? Mm -hmm. Do I feel unsettled by the information I was just given? And what you need to develop and generate as much as possible is pulling away from those things that unsettle or disturb you and leaning more into those things that leave you expanded and in your heart. And this is the tricky thing about us discussing with you, shall we say, mm, some of these world situations you are dealing with. There are some who would have, uh, we will say, channeled messages or spiritual messages that would keep you only focused on the good, the conscious, the light. And this has its place, by the way. And for the people who follow that, they are mostly wanting to or only resonating with that as reality. The reason we have to speak about both sides of reality is because many of you who listen are part of the discerning group who are helping to wake the rest of the world up. So you have to wake up first so that you see things clearly, so that you then start to disengage from being, shall we say, hypnotized by those things, and you can help usher in others to that as and when they are ready. But this is the most important thing we can say to you today. If you are struggling with anything we've said so far or triggered by it, the most important thing we can say to you today is this. You are alive and many things in your time, 2023, are more expansive than many human beings have been able to ever experience. We know there is a tendency to either romanticize mm, a decade or two ago uh, or mourn the fact that you have become a technological mm, 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 uh, society in the way that perhaps you weren't 100 years ago. But there is also always something to see as improved. We could take you back 100, 200, 300 years ago, and we could show you the 
energetic struggles that people were having with the system of power back then. And you may say, well, how is that so? The further back you go, people were living uh, in the wilderness. Uh, they were more untouched uh, by some of the things that we were dealing with. Yes, but they were also more exposed to vulnerability than many of you are. So the tricky thing for those of you who listen to words like ours or anyone's words is you start to tell yourself a story about what you're hearing that you will then make true. So for example, if you listen to us saying, yes, there are control systems in your world and you have never heard that before, you are in shock, but actually they have always been there. They are just surfacing a little more for you to see now. It doesn't take away the need for shock. But what you have to ask yourself is, since I was born, have I had many moments of joy, connection, spirituality, growth? And the answer for all of you will be yes. Now, some of you are a bit disgruntled that we're saying yes, because you're saying I haven't had enough. And we're saying, fine, we understand you haven't had enough but you've all had some of them, all of you. So why we are bringing this up is the focus that many of you have right now is how can this world become more conscious? And we agree with many of you that that is a part of your life right now and shouldn't be fully ignored. However, the tendency you can have is to look outward at that world and forget that today, this day, you are alive. You are alive in your body and tomorrow is not promised. All of you will die from this incarnation at some time. Some of you are closer to your uh, death age than others. So while we don't want you to not take the world's, shall we say, issues seriously, we don't want you to let the world's issues become your whole life. Mm. Because then your vibration becomes a record of the world's issues and your heart your purpose, your spirit that came here to emanate something to be part of this change gets shut down. So to recap, the most important thing you can hear from us today is without sticking your head in the sand about issues that you feel you may want to pay attention to or perhaps be part of the solution for, it is vital that you understand that you are here to experience and create acts of consciousness every day. If you are a frontline warrior, it's very important for you to dance around your house for five minutes, 10 minutes every morning to your favorite piece of music. You do not have to deny yourself joy because you are so consumed by the world's heartbreak. In fact, you will be so much more useful for the world's heartbreak if you also have a spectrum of joy, connection, and the celebration of being alive in your body. And that can be very controversial for many of you because that is not celebrated in your teachings. You are not told to celebrate your life, your joy, your pleasure. No, you are much more controlled than that. So what we are asking those of you who are awake to do is, amidst everything that you can see is going on, more than anything, allow yourself to be fully alive. You may only have today left. And if you start to live that way, not in a morbid fashion, but in a fashion that wakes you up to the gift of life, you will live at the highest level and your vibration will be at the highest level it can possibly be. And that means when these swings and roundabouts come along, you will be more equipped to bring a high vibration to the solution of them 
than if you are down in the dumps, depressed and in despair and fear. That is an incredibly beautiful transmission that I am feeling. So thank you so much. And I appreciate your time and all of your knowledge and wisdom that you keep sharing with all of us. So thank you so oh, much. Well, time is non-existent that's for right, us, so right, you do not need right. to. Uh, it does exist, but it is not uh, the way that you experience it. Uh, for us, it is uh, far less linear and more like dropping through mm, holes uh, that appear. Uh, so it has been a pleasure to drop into Earth with you today. We will say it's a tumultuous day on Earth. Uh, the energetics today are quite intense. Uh, now, we know that most people will be hearing this on another day. But we also know that you will release it on a mirror day. <laughs> so the day that this comes out will uh, mirror the energetics of today. So there is a lot of tumultuous, intense energy in the air on Earth today. And we know that can be a bit of a bucking bronco for some of you that you feel like you are trying to hang on for dear life. But we would say don't hang on on those days. Just let the disbursement of your energy field happen when the earth is shaking you a little, because you will always come back together. You will never disperse and fragment. But when you come back from the days where things are intense or energetically chaotic, you will actually have been reorganized from the inside in a way that you need to be. So we know there are growing pains around these times. But as we have always said, all of you who are here right now, you did elect to be here right now for now. So this is one of the most powerful times on earth any of you will ever have, uh, or certainly thus far in your incarnations. So a pleasure to be with you all Thank in you. peace and in love to you. Hmm. Thank you so much.